I'm excited about something. I'm done with Jesus' service teams. How about that? We don't have to teach on it tonight. We can go on to something else. How about that? Are, are y'all excited? Jeesh. Yeah, we need to be excited about that. That means that we can do something else. Yeah, so I kept going back and forth, and I kept going back and forth, and I said, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And so I told Keith, I said, I think what we'll do is I'll just sing all night long. He said, Phil? He said, okay, okay. I said, no, I might be better off dancing all night long than I would be singing all night long. I said, or we could do a Jericho march, or we could do something, you know. He said, you might want to stick to your notes. I said, okay, okay, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. But I have a really, really, really good topic tonight, and I think you will all enjoy it. And so we're going to start on something tonight. Come on, take your seat. Come on. Yeah, hi. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Um, We're going to start on something tonight that is probably... I asked Keith one night, I said... uh, Is it possible, because something had happened that the Lord had really, really, really helped me with, or the Holy Ghost had really, really helped me with, and I said, Keith, is it possible to love one part of the Godhead more than another part? Now, I know I ask dumb questions, right? Have you ever thought of anything like that? Is it possible to love one part of the Godhead more than another part of the Godhead? Like you've got Father God, and you've got Jesus, and you've got the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, Is it possible to love one part more than another? And he said, what are you talking about? You know, because I asked him, you know, he says, don't ask him in church, wait till you get home. So I bombard him when I get home, you know, because I think of these things, you know. Because that particular day, the Holy Spirit had really, 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 really helped me out of some jams, you know. And when somebody really, really, really helps you out of jams, what does that make you do? You really, really love them, don't you, you know. And so I said, you know, I love God. I love God. And I love Jesus, you know, really a lot. But in reality, a lot of times, we don't always recognize that we're not going to hell. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We don't have the full reality sometimes that we're not going to hell today. Sometimes you have to convince yourself that there really is a hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. But with the Holy Ghost, with His help, With him telling you how to do stuff and with him showing you things and with him getting you out of messes every single day and with him holding your hand and guiding you and doing things for you and fixing things that you mess up every single day, it could make you really, really like him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And Keith just answered, well, Phil, I think you just know him better. And I said, that's exactly right. Just like I know you better, so I love you better. He said, okay, yeah. He couldn't argue with me anymore. Because that's the way it is. You know? And I love Jesus, don't get me wrong. But I don't know, in reality, I know I'm healed because of Jesus. And I thank God for that every single day, that I don't have to be sick any day of the week. But, you know, everybody doesn't understand everything about redemption all the time. But I know what the Holy Spirit has done for me. And I know how he helps me every single day, every moment of the day, during my waking hours, almost during my sleeping hours, and I know how he helps me. And so I thought, Lord, what is the, if I could give them the greatest thing that's helped me, you know, because that's the way I am. If I have a nice house, I want everybody to have a nice house. If I have a new car, I want everybody to have a new car. If I have a new shirt, if I could, I'd go buy everybody a new shirt just like it because I like it. And that's just the way I am. And I have nothing of mine that I don't have that I won't say, you want to use it? And Keith will go, Phil, it's brand new. I say, I don't care. It's brand new. I don't care. Just a few months ago, uh, my brother-in-law sitting over there, he said, Phil, do you still have your uh, Mustang? It had, what did it have in it, Jim? It had a a supercharger or a blower or something. Somebody gave me uh, a Mustang, and it was one of those... um, um, Shelby Cobra with a 502, I mean, they gave it to me. You know, it had the shifter and everything, and I'd, I'd win racing Keith in his Corvette sometime, you know. But um, anyways, somebody gave it to me, you know. And so, uh, but I had been down here for months and months and months, and I thought, you know what, that thing sat in the garage for two months, that's too long for me, and I gave it to somebody. And so Keith said, you're going to do what? I said, I'm going to give it to him. 
He said, okay. And so somebody, I, he gave me a trike, and, and it was sitting in the garage for a couple of months, and I said, okay, I'm just going to give it to him. So that's the way I am about everything I know in God. If it really, really helps me, I want to help somebody else with it, okay? Because I know how much it helps me, so I want to give you exactly what helps me. And it may not be the best way of giving it sometimes, but I'll do it the very best that I can. And if you don't understand it, you can say, what? And we'll go over it again, okay? Fair enough? Okay, because I'll tell you what. About the Holy Ghost, I was raised, as you all know, Catholic. And the only thing I knew about the Holy Ghost was he was over here somewhere. Right? How many of you are the same place I am? Okay, he was over here somewhere. And that was all I knew about the Holy Ghost. And then I married a guy that spent most of his life growing up in the Oneness Pentecostal Church. And did y'all, I hear y'all talked about me while I was gone. I did get filled with the Holy Ghost and he didn't. That is true. But it was good. And so ever since I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, everything I do, I have learned to check in with him. And I've learned to follow what he tells me to do and follow the leadings that he gives me and follow the guidings that he gives me. And, you know, I have missed it before. But, you know, the greatest thing that you can do is learn to check in with him. And as you go through your life, it's wild because it's like if I had to name the sermon tonight, it would kind of be like, oh, God, who can I talk to about this? You understand what I'm saying? It's like you go through life wondering, well, I don't want to burden my wife with it because it's it's a mess, you know? And, oh, God, I don't want to burden my kids with it, but who can I really talk to about this, you know? I need an answer. I really, really need an answer. And so all of Keith's sayings, if anybody knows anything about him, year after year after year after year after year, if you ask him a question, you know what his answer will be? Somebody knows him. You can ask him a thousand and one things, and his answer will be, be led. Be led. Because every person in this room could come up to a situation, and we could line every person in this room up, and they could have the exact same situation, and you would answer every one of them differently. And do you know why that is? Because every person in this room has a different personality and they're at different levels in their life and they know different things about God and they do things differently. And so God would never answer any person in this room exactly the same way of doing things. That's not him. So there's never going to be this manual or this book that says, do it, you do it this way every single time. There won't be one. So... That's why we've got something that's better than anything anybody else could have. And so I want us to talk about it a little bit tonight. Because, you know, you ever ask those questions, why? Why, God? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know you did it. Why? Why did that person get sick? Why did they get a raise and I didn't get a raise? Why? We've done it all of our lives. I've done it. You've done it. Everybody's done it. It just didn't seem like it was the logical thing. Or, or what do we do? Do we buy this house? Do we buy this car? Do we go to this job? Do we move to this city? Do we do this? And do we have this surgery? Do we take this medicine? Do we marry them? You ever ask questions like that? Well, what if you could have been one of the 12 disciples? And you could have just walked up to Jesus and you could have said, Hey, what do we do? What do we do? Would he have answered you? Absolutely. Look at it. Let's look at a couple of scriptures on it. Let's see here. Matthew, chapter 13, verse 10 in the NIV. What most people do is they go to somebody else that absolutely can't hear from God any better than they can. And they ask their opinion about it. And they both go away with the wrong answer. Or... They think it's God, and they yield to their flesh. And they go away with the wrong answer. But there's a better way. So let's find out about it tonight. What has helped me, and I believe it will help you, and it's all in the Bible. So let's look at it. Matthew 13 in the NIV, verse 10. It says, the disciples came and asked him. There you go. They asked that question too. W-H-Y. See, so it's okay to ask why. All right? Why do you speak to the people in parables? The disciples asked Jesus that. Now, here's another question they asked him. 
Well, no, let's go on to verse 11 so you can see. And he answered them. I just want you to see that. He didn't ignore them. He answered them. Okay? So they asked Jesus a question, and what happened? He answered them. Okay? So then let's look at Matthew. Um, let's see. Um, 1336. And the NIV again. It says, Then he left the crowd, and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us this parable of the weeds in the field. Now, have you ever wanted anybody to explain to you something that's in the Bible? Have you ever wanted to understand it a little bit better? Have you ever thought, Oh, God, I don't understand that. I know it means something that I should get, but I just don't get it. Just my little Catholic self? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We got, I got one other person in here that agrees with me. Well, he, they went to Jesus and they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. You go on reading, Jesus did it. He did it. But now this next one is my very favorite. It's Matthew 18, 21 in the NIV. Then the brassy one, Peter, comes to him and he says, Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Now, you ever wanted to ask somebody that? You ever wanted to ask, God, how many times do I have to forgive my wife when she does that? How many times do I have to forgive my husband? How many times do I have to put up with this from my kids? How many times do I have to put up with that from my boss? You ever wanted to ask Jesus that? That's my favorite. Because you know you do. Quit looking at me like that. You know you do. You know when somebody treats you bad, you want to ask Jesus, Lord, how many times do I have to love them and put up with this from my family? How many times do I have to put up with this from my neighbor? You know you think it just like I do. Well, Peter was the only one brassy enough to ask it. Let's look at the answer. It says, up to seven times, Jesus? Seven times is a lot, Jesus, in a day. I think seven times, if somebody's mean to you in a day, is pl big plenty, right? Well, Jesus answered, he says. So there you go, he did answer. I tell you, what? Not seven times, uh-uh. But 77 times. That's a lot in a day. That means it doesn't matter how many times they may mean to you throughout the day and they're ugly to you throughout the day, you still have to forgive them all day long. Now, he could have not asked that question, don't you think? Then we wouldn't have had it in the Bible. I think, Peter, why did you ask him that? You never thought that either, huh? I think dumb things sometimes. But I think if Peter wouldn't have asked him that, we wouldn't have to forgive that many times. <laughs> what are y'all laughing at? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? No, but we would have to because that's what love does. It's love forgives, right? But, but if Peter wouldn't have asked it, we might not have known just exactly how many times. We could have played with our mind a little bit, right? No, but he did. He put it in there. We have to do it 77 times in a day. So we know the answers to the questions because the disciples were there with him and they could just go to him any time of the day or night like I do my husband. I, I say, like today I was studying something. I say, man, I don't want to spend an hour looking for that verse. I think of the phone. I say, Keith, where's that verse? Is it 30 minutes later? Keith, where's that verse? I call him my walking concordance. Because, you know, he's done it forever, you know. And so he knows where they are. And he'll say, it's in Matthew chapter... And so, you know, it saves me hours of having to look for stuff, you know. And so, uh, I, a lot quicker that way, you know. But anyway, so I can ask him questions because he's right there. And he always answers me because he loves me. But it's really, really sad today. Because you can't go to Jesus, can you? No, he's not sitting right there beside you. 
And you can't walk up to him and, and ask him how many times, like Peter did, how many times you got to forgive your husband? How many, what do you do today? A lot. I know it. It's the truth. Seventy times in one day. In one day. That's what you got to do. But you can't walk up to Jesus and ask him these questions, you know. Jesus, do I do, I do this lawsuit or do I not? What do I do? Jesus, do I, do I ground them or do I not? Or do I love them? Jesus, what do I do? Because he's not right there for you to ask him that question. But, 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 turn with me. Glory, I could almost dance. I told Keith I would dance, I'll almost dance. But, 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 turn with me to John in the Amplified, 16, verse 7. Yes, glory. However, it says. Let's back up to verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of your hearts. What he's told them is what? He's got to go away. And he's leaving them. And so the disciples got really, really sad because they thought, who are we going to ask all of our questions to? Right? Who's going to help us? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to tell us where we go, when we go, how we go, how much we go? Who's going to tell us how come we couldn't get the demon out of that person? Who's going to tell us how much money we take on our trip? Who's going to tell us not to cut that man's ear off? Who's going to tell us all the things, right? Who's going to lead us? So they were upset because, you know what? We complain because we've been serving God for 30 years and we don't know the answers, and they'd only been with him three years, and he's leaving them. What if you were dumped with a a worldwide ministry in your lap and you'd only been in the ministry for three years? You might be a little sorrowful too because there's a lot of things that can happen that you don't know the answers to. So they were a little bit sorrowful because he was leaving. But verse 7, it says, However, I am telling you nothing but the truth. He's not telling us a lie. Nothing but the truth when I say it is what? Half the crowd got it. When I'm telling you it is what? When I'm telling you it is what? Profitable. It is good, expedient. What's the next word? Advantageous for me that I go away. It's advantageous for Jesus that he go away because he don't have to put up with nothing on this earth anymore. No. It was advantageous for us. Say, it was good for me. It was good for me that Jesus went away. Because if I don't go away, then the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you and into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you and he will be in close fellowship with you. That doesn't quite say it, those brackets, the way that it really is. So um, let's look at it um, in the King James Version for that part. Um, John 14 Verse 16 and 17. Uh, Yeah, John 14, verse 16 and 17. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. What does he mean by that? He's been there for years comforting them. But he's going to leave, and he's going to have the Father give us, not just them, us, another comforter that may abide with us how long? Forever. Now the next verse is the best part. And if you don't feel like dancing, there's a problem. Okay? You say, I can't dance. Well, that's okay. You can do like this. Okay? You're not excited enough. This is really good news, guys. It's the best news you've had all week, I'm telling you. It says, 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because they see him not, neither know him not, but you do know him. For he dwells with you and shall be... He shall be... He shall be... He shall be in your neighbor. He shall be in your pastor. He shall be in the priest. Huh? No. He shall be in me. Say it. The Holy Spirit lives in me. So what does that mean? Put back up verse uh, the Amplified on that. In verse 7, John 16, 7, because I want them to see something. The Holy Spirit, which means the Comforter, the Counselor, the Helper, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Strengthener, and the Standby is in the next state over. He's in the church. He's in your priest or your pastor. All those things. The advocate, the helper, the standby, the strengthener. Where is he? He lives inside of you. And if that is the case, if the Holy Spirit... The strengthener, the standby, the advocate, the comforter, the intercessor lives inside of you right down in here. You should never be sad or down or upset or worried or anything another moment in your life. Because you should never be without the answer that you're searching for or without the comfort that you need or without the wisdom that you need or without the help that you need to do anything another moment in your life. Not one moment. Because all you have to do is what? Ask him. But see, that's where the problem comes in. We decided a long time ago that even if we were blonde, we were smarter than the Holy Ghost. We gave our head more clout than the Holy Ghost. But I got news for you. If you're playing cards, what does an ace do to everything else most of the time? It trumps it. And that's what happens with the Holy Ghost. It'll trump everything in your head, and your head will never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 ever make sense to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will tell you to do things that never make sense in your head. They never do. It never, ever makes sense to your head. He will tell you, go over here and do this. And you'll think, why? I'm pretty comfortable sitting right here. And he'll say, get up now and go over here and do this. And you'll think, there's no reason for me to do that. But he'll still tell you to do it. You'll just keep getting this, do this. And he'll say, do it. And he'll say, do it. And you'll just keep reasoning it in your head. Or he'll say, go give them $10. And you'll say, they're going to look better off than I do. $10, that's all I'm asking you to do, $10. Well, they've got on a diamond watch and they've got on these pearls and they've got on all, why would I give them $10? And he'll tell you to do things every single time that your head will try to reason out and tell you not to do. Every single time. It will never fail. Every time that the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, it'll be something that your head can figure out another reason or another way of doing it, and you will not want to do it the way the Holy Ghost tells you to do it. So your head is trumping what the Holy Ghost is telling you to do. And so you're losing. Because your head will tell you. This is what your head will tell you. It's only reasonable that you should be upset because of the way they chewed you out. That's only reasonable. It's only reasonable. 
you have a right to be upset because of what they did to you. It's only reasonable. And the Holy Ghost inside of you is saying, brush it off, forget it. Walk away. Love on them. Buy their lunch. And you're thinking, I forget that. Did you hear what they said to me? But all the while, the Holy Ghost inside of you is telling you to do just the opposite of what this noggin thing up here is doing. It does it every single time. It will tell you, uh, let's see some of the things he's told me to do. I'll get real practical with you. Let's see. Um, he said, submit to your husband. The very first thing he told you, I don't know if he told you this part. I guarantee you he didn't tell you this part. Okay? What did he tell you about me getting baptized? I went to a pond, and it was cold, and I was fully dressed, and I got the Holy Ghost when I came up out of the water, right up. I bet he didn't tell you what happened the next hour. No, he didn't, did he? Hmm. I went home to change clothes. And I walked in, and I got very, very quiet, like the trip from Branson, I'm from Tulsa back to Mississippi when the Lord dealt with us to, to go to Ramah. You remember that story I told you? Okay. And I got in my room, and I was standing in front of the closet, and the Holy Ghost is talking to me so loud, it's like he's on a megaphone. The most important thing that you can do, and never question again, is submit to your husband. And I've never heard that word before in my life. I was Catholic. I was raised with a mom that pretty much ran our household. I, I didn't even know what the word meant. I had no clue what that word meant. I would have had to look it up in four dictionaries to understand it. And I'm standing there, and Keith comes in. He says, what's the Holy Ghost telling you? I said, nothing. <laughs> He said, you're, you're really quiet. What is he telling you? It, seems like a, it just seems like he's telling you something. I said, he ain't telling me nothing. <laughs> I mean, that went on for weeks. I didn't tell him for a long, long time what the Holy Ghost was telling me. How many women? <laughs> I had to learn what that word meant. I wasn't about to tell him what that, I didn't know what that meant. I'm just going to go up to him and say, Holy Ghost told me to submit to you. You think I'm dumb? <laughs> but you know what? The Holy Ghost is smarter than me. Because he knew how things were supposed to work. He knew how these, the ministry was supposed to work and how we were supposed to reach multitudes and how we were supposed to reach the world. And had I have done the things that my flesh wanted to do, I'd have been... Oh, you don't want to know what I'd have been. It's like I told the church in Branson the other day. What if I would have been able to convince Keith not to do the ministry? That was the track I was on. What if I would have been able to convince Keith to get out of the ministry? What if? Would any of you be here today? Would Branson Church be here today? So many people around the world wouldn't be. So, you know... God knew what he was doing. When he told me that was the most important thing at that time that he could be telling me is to submit to him. Because he knew the end from the beginning. He knew that, that 35 years from now in a week, not even a week, 35 years, however many years it is from now, y'all added it up. So I asked my sister how many years it was. She told me today 35. So if she's wrong, she's wrong. So um, however many years it, it is that we've been married, he knew what that would be. And if I wouldn't do that then, we wouldn't have a ministry. We would be divorced today. I guarantee you we would be divorced today. Because you, you can't not do what God tells you to do and not be where he wants you to be. But to my head, that made no sense. It made zero sense. Because I was from a background that, that didn't make sense. Then the next thing he tells us is a major thing. Pack up everything you've got with no money, the Holy Ghost, and go to Bible school. Why would you do things like that? 
The Holy Ghost makes no sense to your head. You don't have any money to support yourself. You don't have any jobs. You don't have any this. You don't have any that. But yet and still, you're supposed to do what the Holy Ghost says? Well, I tell you what. I have a five-second rule. I do. I have a five-second rule. If the Holy Ghost tells me to do something and these thoughts cross my mind and they are negative thoughts and they're not going to bring something that's going to be encouraging or uplifting or bring me out in a good way, I cast it down and I just do what the Holy Ghost says. I just do it. Because, you know, uh, you, you will learn real quickly that the Holy Ghost is way smarter than you are. And doing things your way will only send you down the wrong direction. But the Holy Ghost is the comforter. He is the intercessor. He is the advocate. He is the one that you can go to. And if he says, I mean, these people totally mistreated you. And they stole. Okay, I know of cases after cases after cases. Okay, a family member dies. And you're there. And daddy dies. And there's a will. Or there's no will. And big brother comes in, and he takes everything. It splits a family forever. Because little brother or youngest brother get mad, or there's three brothers or whatever. They never speak again. You ever seen that? You ever seen family feuds because somebody dies and they, I mean, it's just, you got this and I was supposed to get that, and you got this and I was supposed to get that. What? I've seen it a thousand times. The Holy Ghost is telling the younger ones, just forget it. I'll make it up to you. Just forget it. I'll make it up to you. Just forget it. I'll make it up to you. You'll ask them what's going on inside you. And and they'll tell you. It's something inside me just saying forget it. But they will not do it. They'll come to you and they'll look you square in the eye and they'll say, it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle. They shouldn't have done that. It was mine. They had no right to do that. Daddy meant for me to have that. He told me that. It's the principle behind it. Where all the while, the Holy Ghost is saying, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. And what happens is, it takes you down a bitterness path. It takes you down a path that you should never have been on to start with. And it takes you down a corridor that closes every other door that you should be going to. That God's going to try to bless you with this. Do you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is you drinking the poison that someone else should have got. Do you understand that? You drinking the poison that you want somebody else to have. That's what bitterness is. You're drinking it because you're the one that's bitter. It's eating you alive and not them. And that's what it does. But the Holy Ghost living inside of you will tell you, don't do that. Do this. And every time the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, this is the ugly part about it. It's always selfless. The Holy Ghost is a selfless person. And he's always looking out for the other person. The Holy Ghost is always... How many times do you forgive somebody? Now that ought to give us a clue. 77 times in a day. Now, that ought to give us a clue about the Holy Ghost, right? Now, y'all got too quiet. I hit a nerve with somebody somewhere. We're going to rewind. Where did we hit that nerve? Huh? We hit it with somebody somewhere because y'all got too quiet. Don't let the devil do that to you. Because the moment he steps on your foot with something... He's got you. You're in his trap. You've seen a lobster trap or a crab trap, then you live within his four walls forever. Because if it's that little thing that traps you, 
then you're trapped there forever. And something as small, I mean, something as small as a thousand dollars or a ring or a, a shirt or a house. When God is our source that owns the, the cows on a thousand hills and he owns all the gold and he owns all the silver and he owns everything else, he can't replace a thousand dollars that you would have gotten from your daddy. No way, no how. It's no principle of the matter in anything. God's bigger than any situation like that. But the Holy Ghost will always speak up inside of you. But now the thing about the Holy Ghost is he is not the devil. And he will never, ever, ever push you and make you do something. The Holy Ghost will come to you and he'll say, let her go. She's having a bad day. Think about yourself. You ever had a bad day? Let it go. Let it fall through the cracks. I know Keith asked me when we were doing this building thing. He says, how's you and Dan and Rob and Dave getting along down there? Y'all been working night and day for like, two years? He said, y'all having any trouble with each other? Everybody getting along? Now that's a leader, right? He's picking up on something. I said, yeah, we're doing great. Everything's going good. He said, how y'all handling the strife? I said, we ain't having no strife. He said, then what are you doing? I said, when one of us is having a bad day, we give him some space. He said, you're not correcting it? I said, oh, no. I said, because I've had a few bad days myself. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying by that? It's not okay to have a bad day, but if Dan woke up one morning and things weren't going so good in Branson and he's having to deal with it and he's having to deal with here, you know, and he's like, <laughs> you know, or Rob woke up one morning and he was going to, you know, he snap at you and say something, you know. What's the point in coming down on one of them and trying to correct it when the Holy Ghost inside of you is going to come to you and say, you know what, you ever had a bad day? <laughs> Has he ever done you that way? But what, do you, what does your flesh want to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to, it's got to, it's the principle of the thing. Huh? That ain't the Holy Ghost. That's your flesh. And what you've got to decide is if you want to hear from the Holy Ghost or you want to hear from your flesh. You've got to make a decision. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. He's your advocate, he's your helper, he's your standby, he's your strengthener. He'll do everything that he can to make your life easier. And you're going to come up against some major walls, and it's going to look like there's absolutely no way out. You're going to be standing up against a wall, and you're going to think, okay, here we are, and there's going to be a wall. And the devil's going to say, ha-ha, you're in a trap, because you're going to be facing a wall. And the Holy Ghost is going to say, guess what? All you got to do is turn around. Oh, when the devil has painted you into a solid wall in front of you, and he's going to say, the devil's going to say, you have cancer, you're going to die. There is no way out. You have stage four melanoma cancer, you're going to die. And that's all you can see in front of you. That's your wall. That's what the devil says. And the Holy Ghost says, Get a hold of those tapes. The Holy Ghost says, go to this meeting. The Holy Ghost says, get online and look at this. You have no reason to understand why the Holy Ghost would tell you to get online and look at this. But when you look at this, it leads you to this, and then it leads you to this, and then it leads you to this, and it leads you to this, and who knows, it leads you to Keith's 101 reasons why you can be healed. Or he says, turn your TV on. And you hear Brother Kenneth preaching on healing. Or you hear Miss Gloria having a healing class. And that is the way that the Holy Ghost does. But you've got to listen to him. He's not going to come and beat you upside the head and say, do this, do this, do this, do this. That's not the way that he works. But you have to be willing to say, when you're up against that wall, nope, I don't believe you, Mr. Devil. And ask the Holy Ghost inside you. Stop and ask him. Okay, where's my way out? 
Okay, look in here. That says EXIT, 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 EXIT. Well, let's see, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. There's 16 exits in here, right? What if I get down here on the floor like this? What if I do that? Am I going to see any one of those exit signs? And what if all I do is think about what I have in here? Am I going to see any one of the exit signs? All I'm going to see in here is what I have up here. I have to get up and I have to be willing to look at something different. I've looked at what I have in here and I've looked at what's down here over and over and over and over and over again. But I have to be willing to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, I've been looking at that long enough. You have another way. You are the comforter. This is not bringing me comfort. I've been looking at it, but it's not bringing me any comfort. So it's time that I look at something different. Direct me at what else I should be looking at. Show me the other direction I need to turn. Do I need to turn to the left? Do I need to turn to the right? Do I need to look up? Do I need to look down? I know I need to look at every direction. What direction is it? And be willing to do what he tells you to do. And if you'll do that, he'll lead you. And he'll take you by the hand and he'll say, come on, honey. Go this way. I'll lead you right to the exit sign. I'll get you right out of this mess. What did Jesus do when Peter was in the boat and he looked and the waves were going in every direction and he was about to sink? He stuck out his hand, helped him back up, put him in the boat. Every time that we get in a mess, he's right there for us to lead us out, take us in the direction we need to go, show us what needs to happen. We mess up. We need an intercessor. We need somebody to go to the Lord and say, oh, man, we said that. We got mad today, blew our top, chewed our wife out, chewed our kids out, chewed the boss out, kicked the dog. We did it. We admit it, we did it. It was a bad, bad day. We did it. God, I'm sorry. What's Jesus doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing? They're interceding for us. They're making it right. That's what he does for us. And then he pats you on the back and says, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Anything that brings you down or puts you down or makes you look bad is not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will tell you, do this, and it'll look like there's absolutely no way under the sun that you can gather up the money to go and go to a Southwest Believers Convention or to go to Branson to a marriage meeting. Your marriage is a stinking mess. And the Holy Ghost says, all I want you to do is go to the marriage meeting. That's all the Holy Ghost tells you. He's not going to tell you anything about fixing your marriage. He's not going to tell you anything about what you've got to do. He's not going to tell you to kiss your wife every day. He's not going to tell you to do anything. All he's going to do is tell you to believe God for the money to go to the marriage meeting. And you think, that's not going to fix my marriage. You don't understand. But he's going to give you something to do. And he's going to tell you to do it. And it's going to be your job to do what he tells you to do. And your head is going to do somersaults and flips. And it's going to do, you didn't think you were a gymnast, but you are. Because you will do mental gymnastics in your head to keep from doing what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. He will tell you, uh, do this, believe me, for $500 to for an airplane ticket to go. And you'll think... Ain't happening. No way under the sun. We're getting a divorce. We've been separated for six months. And the Holy Ghost says, I don't care. Believe me. Go. And you get there, and your spouse won't even go. And God will give you the revelation that you need to turn the whole situation around. He'll do it with your healing. He'll do it with your finances. Finances are the same way. 
The Holy Ghost will say just like what I said. He'll say, give this person $10. Well, Lord, we need $100,000. You don't understand. But the Holy Ghost will say, you got $10 on you? Well, yeah. And your, your head will go, what's $10 to a $100,000 bill? That's what your head will respond. Anybody's head in here ever done anything like that? Everybody's has. Everybody in here. And the Holy Ghost will say, take that $10 and go give it to them. And you'll say, but Lord, that's embarrassing. $10? They're going to think, how chintzy of me. They are. That's exactly what they're going to think. $10? Give them $10? You sure? I need to believe God for $100, and when I get $100 together, I'll go give it to them. No, go give them the $10 that you have in your hand. But you won't do it. Because your pride will get in the way, and the mental gymnastics will play and over and over and over in your mind, and you will not give them the $10. So God will not have a legal right to come right behind and deal with the person that's sitting on the other end of the auditorium to give you uh, $1,000 so that you can sow the $1,000 to make the $100,000. Everything with God starts small, and he's not going to lead you with the big giant step. Keith and I didn't get to where we are today in doing all the things that we're doing with one big giant leap. doesn't happen that way. What happens is God says, okay, $10. He says, take 10 steps. He says, go do this, go do that. And he starts with little bitty things of the Holy Spirit nudging you every single day, telling you to do something. And when he tells you to do it, he will lead you in what you should do. There should never be a time that you lay in your bed and you think on negative things when you have the greater one living inside of you. There should never be a time when you mully grub around and say, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and play that over in your mind over 30 seconds. You should never say, I don't know what to do ever again in your short little wonderful, beautiful life. Because all you have to do is go to the Holy Ghost and ask. Because Jesus said, it's advantageous for you that I go away. Well, now, he could not have meant that it was better for you that you couldn't ask him any questions. Because the disciples had the right to go to him all the time and say, why? Explain this to me. Tell me this. How do you fix this, Jesus? What do you do? What does this mean? How do we do this? Now, he would not have said it's better if we didn't have the right and ability to do that. Would he? Can you go to him and ask him something? Will you get an answer? Absolutely. And will you get an answer? And will you get an answer? What the most wonderful thing about it is, is every one of us in this room tonight could ask him at the exact same time a question. And we could all get the answer at the exact same time. And that's why it's advantageous. Because even with Jesus and his 12 disciples, he couldn't answer 12 of them at the same time. Much less 12 million or 12 zillion. But we can get the answers that we need. And all we have to do is go to him and say, Jesus, what do we do? Do we stay here in Sarasota or do we go and do this show? Jesus, do we do this? Do we buy this house or, or do we do and, and all you've got to do is check inside your heart. But the biggest problem you've got with your heart and your insides is your flesh, that you don't want to hear the answer that you get. Because the Holy Ghost ain't going to tell you what your flesh wants to hear. He's going to tell you what God wants you to do. And there's a big difference between the two. Because if I got my way, I wouldn't be standing up here. But you know what? Our little ways don't mean as much as doing God's plan for our lives. And But we get in our little comfort zones and get to doing what we like to do. And it doesn't always work out that way. So that's why people choose not to ask the Holy Ghost because they don't want to hear his answer. So you can't, that's where you run into problems, is you want to know his answer on this, but you don't really.
really want to know his answer on this. And so you, you want to go to him on this, but mm, stay away from me on that one, Lord. And it doesn't really work that way. That's like, okay, how many in here is married? Okay. Say you have a big fight. Nobody in here ever does that. But say you in, heard of somebody that ever had a big fight. Are you going to go to your spouse and ask him a very important question in the middle of that big fight? Not happening, is it? No way, no how. You're going to pull away from them because you don't really want their opinion at that time. Well, that's the way it is with people with the Holy Ghost. When they don't really want to hear what he has to say because he's going to tell them, because a lot of times with our spouses, they, the reason, you know why we fight with our spouses, right? Because they know what's too good. A lot of times they know what our problem is, we know what their problem is, and neither one of us really want to deal with the core of our problems a lot of times, and so we try to, try to stick them underneath the rug a little bit, and uh, the, the other one don't let you stick it under the rug too long. You know it's the truth. They'll call you on it. They'll say, get up out of that recliner. Or they'll tell you, you know, quit talking so much. Or, you know, there's a lot of different reasons, but you know, that's some of it. And so, but the Holy Ghost, he will tell you, go here. Uh, and you'll say, but I had a football game on this afternoon. That's what I was planning on doing today was football. And the Holy Ghost will say, I don't care about football. I care about these people. You want your answer about how to get your building sold? Well, get up and go over there and minister to these people. And you'll think, what in the world does me getting up and going over there and ministering to these people have to do with my building selling? I have no clue. But I know the Holy Ghost well enough to know that if you go do that, then it's going to turn out that this person has a connection with this person and this person has a connection with this person and down the line this is going to come all the way right back around and there it's going to be right in your lap. But the problem is a word called T-R-U-S-T, trust. And our generation doesn't know anything about that word. How many of you actually know, and, I, and I'm going to age you a little bit, but it, it'll, it'll help some of us younger generation, uh, and I'm going to call myself young for a minute, know the time when you actually could shake somebody's hand and the deal was done. There was no paperwork. There was no, see, there was, I mean, you didn't have to do a hundred page contract and do all the other things. The deal was actually done when you shook somebody's hand. That meant their word was good and you could trust them to do it. Those days are gone forever because nobody's word is good anymore hardly. I mean, you, you deal with people and they decide they want to change their mind or they decide that they don't want to do it or, and they're going to take you to court or they're going to do this or they're going to do that. And so they get all these contracts that <sighs> takes all your money to hire the lawyers to get the contracts. Instead of buying the house, you've got to buy a lawyer. Right? Well, we should not be of that mentality with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. But what happens is we don't trust the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be looking out for us because we don't trust people. We trust the Lord and the Holy Ghost the way that we trust people. And we can't do that because God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is on our side. And they are trustworthy. And it's the best handshake that you'll ever make. And they're never going to let you down. And they're never going to hurt you or hoodwink you or make you sign a contract or an agreement or anything. If you, if you mess up, they're just going to pull you back up. But what happens is if the Holy Ghost says, do this, and you don't do it, it's because you have a fear inside you. Is it going to turn out the way I think it should? It's like giving, okay? It's like God tells you tonight, okay? He says, put $1,000 in the offering tonight. What's the first thing that crosses your mind? Okay, Monday I have my light bill. Tuesday I have my house payment. Wednesday I have this. Thursday I have this. Friday I have this. And you reason in your mind, 
if I put that $1,000 in there, am I going to have enough to pay the bills that I've got coming up for the next few weeks? Anybody ever done it? Every person in this room has done it. But did the Holy Ghost ask you about your bills? He did not. So it's not a money issue at that point in time, which you would think it was. Naturally speaking, you would think, well, I won't have enough money. No, it's not a money issue. It becomes a trust issue. It becomes a trust issue in whether you can trust that the Holy Ghost loves you enough and is leading you enough that if he tells you to put $1,000 in the offering, that he's going to be able to get that money back to you in time to do what you need to do. Or if he tells you to go and do this, that he's going to take care of you and make sure that he sees you through the whole thing. Or if he tells you to buy this house, that he's going to fix it to where you can buy the house. Or if he tells you to go see this person, he's going to give you the words to say. Or if he tells you to go get this job, he's going to fix it to where you can understand how to do it. Or if he tells you to work on this car, he'll give you the wisdom on how to work on the car. It's not a money issue or a work issue or a job issue. It's a trust issue. It's a trust issue with the Holy Spirit when he tells us to do something that we say, okay, if you said it, I'll get in my car and I'll go do it. I don't understand it. I don't see it. But if you said it, I'll do it. But the problem is most people in this room, if you had, uh, let's see how we could put it. If you had... uh, a bunch of money, and a bunch of stuff. And you didn't know how much it was. Somebody just gave you a barrel full of money. Just cash money. How many of you in here, within five seconds, could tell me five people that you would trust just to leave them with that money and you would know that they wouldn't take a dime out of it? Five people that you could trust. Five people. Very few people in here. Five people that that wouldn't take any of the money out of it. You see what I'm saying? Trust is a real issue. You know? And we have learned to be very, very guarded. Who cares for me? Who's looking out for me? We're that way with our spouses. We're that way with our kids. We're that way with our neighbors. We're that way. They're going to hoodwink me. They're going to get this from me. They're going to take this from me. And if we're that way in our whole life with everybody we come in contact with, it's really, really hard not to be that way with the Holy Spirit. Not to just give your full open up and say, okay, I'll do it. At some point in time in your life, you've got to get rid of the fear and quit being afraid of people, quit being afraid of what they can do to you, quit being afraid of everything that anybody can hurt you with, and trust God. Say, if they take advantage of me, I'm just, you can't imagine how many people have taken advantage of me. You can't imagine how many people have talked about me. You can't imagine how the horrible things people have said about me. I can't tell you what people have done and said about me. I have been called Cruella so many times, I can't even tell you how many times I've been called that. But you know what? Those very people, I'll love them. I'll buy stuff for them. Because I love them. I trust people in general. What I think is they've been hurt. They don't know how to love anybody. And hurt people bite. And they've got to see somebody else that don't do it. And until they see that out of us, then that's what they're going to do. So you have got to begin to trust. Trust the people around you and trust the Holy Spirit. And if you get hurt, you know what? All it is is your stinking pride anyway. We're here to help people. So it will help you to begin to trust the Holy Spirit. So what if somebody, you know, does a little bit to hurt you, you know? Brush your sleeves off and dust yourself off and get back up again and... Go again. Put a smile back on your face. You got the comforter living inside you. He's just going to say, give him a big hug. Give him a big kiss. Let's do it again. 
And it makes you easier to trust the Holy Spirit. It makes it easier on you to be led. Because you're not always so guarded. You're not always so frail. So next time that the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, maybe um, you could fix some things that's already happened. Maybe you're one of the ones, because it got too quiet when we were talking about the uh, the mom or dad passing away. Y'all saw that, right? So you know it's somebody in here that that applied to. You know that's the way the Lord works. He, he don't just do things like that just, just to do them. So if it's you, go back. It's not too late and fix it and say, you know what, the Holy Ghost dealt with me when that happened just to let it slide. Let it go. Pick up the phone as soon as it's over with. Hey, I don't care about that house. I don't care about that car. I don't care about that 15-carat diamond ring. You can have it. Look at your faces. I do care. You may be talking about yourself, but I care. As long as you care, you won't get anything better. God's got better than that. He'll do better than that for you. And the Holy Ghost will lead you down a better path. And he'll comfort you, and he'll guide you, and he'll help you. But you've got to start looking inside you. You've got to start looking to the greater one that lives inside you and say, Holy Ghost, I'm hurting. I don't understand this. I know my Father God is good. He's a good Father God. And anything that steals or kills or destroys is not of him. And I've got that going on in my life right now, and I don't understand it. Explain it to me. Did, you, did the disciples go to Jesus and say, explain this to me? Explain it to me. And your Father God loves you enough that you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and he will explain it to you. He may not do it the way you think, but he will. Because if the disciples could get answers, you can get answers. But you've got to look inside you. And you but you've got to be willing to do what he says to get them. It may be totally opposite than what this thing thinks, but you will get them. Are you willing to do it? Glory to God. Let's stand up. Are you all going to sing Father Abraham some more sometime? Don't you love the kids' stuff? It's such a great thing. Let's pray just a minute, and then I'm going to have them sing something. Father, you know my heart. And you know the most valuable, precious thing to me in my life. I love my husband. I love my family. But the most valuable, precious thing walking on this earth for me is the Holy Spirit. He helps me so very much. Every decision I make, every person I hire, every place we go, everything I do, everything I say, everything I minister, every person I talk to, He helps me. And I just ask you now to renew in every person in this room and quicken in every person in this room a knowing of your spirit. Help them to recognize his leadings. Help them to recognize his guidings. Help them to recognize every time He's saying, do this, go here, do that. Stir it up in them to where it's easy. Turn up the volume over this next week and help them to remember and recognize, yeah, yeah, that's what she was talking about. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, I'll do it. Okay, yeah, that's it. I got it. I'll do it. And help them to check in with you, Father, on everything that they're doing so that they can get closer and closer to the Holy Spirit, so that they don't have to miss it, and they don't have to be comfortless, and they don't have to be weak because they don't have a strengthener. And they don't have to be helpless because they don't have a helper. I just ask you now, Holy Spirit, to make yourself real in each person in this room. And I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed for just a minute and eyes closed. If you're in here tonight 
and you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to be, I'm not going to even have you to come up front. We're going to do this just a little bit different. I know Keith's been doing it a little bit, but I want to do it this way. I want everybody in here, if you would, to take the hand of the person next to you. I know you love that sort of thing, but I'd like for you to do it anyway. Everybody in here should be holding someone's hand. There shouldn't be one person in here that's not. Find a person and hold their hand wherever you're standing. Cross the aisles, do whatever you need to do. Should be holding someone's hand. Jim, y'all can come on down and join in with these people. Move on down the aisles. Let's kind of just connect it all together. Brother Hagen says it like this. The anointing flows. And it kind of starts and it kind of goes down like this. So kind of just join in. And the first person maybe join in with the second one and that kind of thing. Yeah. Y'all guys come on down and hook in with these guys. Let's just kind of flow together here for just a minute. I know I do things different than anybody else. I'm funny that way. But what I want us to do is I want everybody in here that can pray in the Spirit, I want you to start praying in the Spirit. Because what will happen is that anointing will come in this place and people that are not filled with the Spirit, that anointing will just, maybe there's one in between that's not, and it'll help them to just start speaking in tongues if they haven't been able to before. So, Father God, I just ask you that your Holy Spirit fall in this place now. And people that haven't been able to speak in the Spirit, that they're able to now. And that your comforter and that your peace and that your anointing come upon this place now. And people be filled with your Spirit that's not been able to talk before.